Well, if you have your Bible, let's go together to John chapter 11. John chapter 11, as you turn there, we'll be there in a moment just to begin with a couple of verses here to return to a few verses we looked at this morning. I wonder if you, I want you to think about these kinds of things. You have unbelieving family members that you pray for who need Christ. Do you have unbelieving family members you pray for? We do. And uh, we pray for them constantly, and I'm serious, uh, every day there's people in our family we pray for that their eyes would be opened to see who Jesus is and to believe in him and be saved and that they would be completely dissatisfied with a, a life of rebellion against God and that they would hunger for the true God. I wonder if that's the uh, same with you. You have people like that in your life that you pray for? Um, does it sometimes frustrate you if you've prayed for them for many, many years? Does it frustrate you <laughs> that they haven't trusted Christ yet? It's frustrating sometimes, isn't it, to pray and, and ask God. Does it frustrate you that it seems like God hasn't answered your prayers yet to save them, save those family members and friends? Well, if you've prayed for years for someone to be saved, uh, you can be tempted to doubt whether God is listening to your prayers And yet God wants us to know he hears and he answers and his timing is perfect. His ways are perfect. If you've struggled with an illness, maybe. Maybe you've struggled with an illness and you've wanted to be done with it. Put it behind you. And uh, you pray and ask for God to bring healing and comfort to you and wisdom to the doctors. And and the Lord doesn't take that away. You might be tempted to be discouraged and think that God is not hearing your prayers, not answering your prayers. But what we need to know, as we've discussed here in John 11 already, is that God is always working. And his timing is always perfect. And we need to learn to be, and and this is something we probably are going to need to keep learning until God calls us home. We need to keep learning to be content where God has us and with the way and the timing with which he answers our prayers. Or we may have faith like Martha's. She had a She had a faith that seems strong, and then we see faith that looks like it's weak. A little bit of both. Uh, Verses 21 and 22, look at those. Uh, In uh, chapter 11, verses 21 and 22, we hear this. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. So I would ask, is that, is that strong faith or weak faith? We look at that and we think, well, that looks like strong faith. She appears to have strong faith in the Lord. She says, Lord, if you had been here. <laughs> um, if you had been here. Note that for a moment. Think about that. But what she says is, if you had been here. You could have kept Lazarus, essentially what she's saying is you could have kept Lazarus from dying if you had been here. That, there's two ways to look at that. That seems like strong faith. On the other hand, it seems like weak faith because she, she almost puts a limit on what Jesus can do if you had been here. And then she says, but even now, now that you're here, I know that whatever you ask from God, 
He'll give it to you. You'll have it. Whatever you ask from God, you'll have it. He'll give it to you. That seems like strong faith too, doesn't it? And I would suggest, as I did this morning, that what we're seeing in Martha is a mix of strong faith and weak faith. And I wonder if, as we look at our own lives, we see the same thing at times. We would say, I believe God's promises. I believe his word. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe he suffered and died for me to save me from my sins. And he lives today. I believe And then we get in the midst of a difficulty and we begin to doubt, or at least our actions show that we we begin to doubt. Well, what about this? What about the fact that Martha says, if you had been here, did Jesus really need to be there to keep Lazarus from dying? No, 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 no. He didn't need to be there to keep Lazarus from dying. I mentioned it this morning. Um, You could go back to chapter 4 with me, John chapter 4 for a moment. Remember back in John chapter 4 when the official whose son was ill came to Jesus? And he came asking for him to come and heal his son. We hear this in John 4 verse 49. John 4 and verse 49, the official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he, had, uh, when he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew That was the hour when Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. And he himself believed and all his household. So Jesus didn't need to be there when that child was healed, did he? He did not. Jesus didn't even need to be there to keep Lazarus from dying. And so we wonder, maybe Martha's faith wasn't so strong in what she says when she says, if you had been here. And then later in chapter 11, we can go back to chapter 11, later in verse 39, when Jesus tells them to take away the stone at the tomb. Again, I noted this this morning where the body of Lazarus had been laid. We hear Martha say, When they begin to roll away the stone, Lord, by this time, there will be an odor. For he has been dead four days. Martha doesn't want them opening the tomb. Jesus seems, um, Jesus comes along and and he gives instruction. And he seems to be interested in doing something. Wouldn't you want to stay out of his way? (laughs) So, I would suggest that seems like a weak faith. So we're seeing a mix, right? Strong faith and weak faith, and, and oh my, how we struggle with that at times, I think. If you've been a believer for a long time, or even for a short time, and you're confident in your faith in the Lord, and that he has saved you from your sin, you You have faith. And there are some things that you show strong faith over, but I would suggest that we all struggle at times with a weak faith, that we are tempted to doubt what God is doing or if God is doing anything at all. 
So, so hear this. I'm not suggesting that Martha had no faith. In fact, I think her faith was kind of remarkable. She and Mary had sent word to Jesus that Lazarus was ill. They, they very likely believed that Jesus could and possibly would do Lazarus some good. So what I'm suggesting is that Martha's faith had room to grow. Would you agree that your faith has room to grow? I know mine does, and we all need that. We need to realize our faith has room to grow, and we ought to be about pursuing that growth in faith. And as I've said before, I don't think any believer's faith arrives at complete and full maturity this side of heaven but that shouldn't keep us from seeking to attain a mature and growing faith. That doesn't mean that believers cannot have a strong faith, that, that we're likely not going to be perfect this side of heaven, but it, it does mean that we can pursue faith, and we should pursue a growing and strong faith, faith in God, faith that is large. God wants for faith to be strong in his children, He doesn't want us to be weak. He wants us to be fully equipped to live for him, to live for his glory and for our good. If we're fully equipped, it will be for our joy. And then God's word, of course, gives us every reason for strong faith, to believe in the risen one that we're going to celebrate next Sunday. But yet, in fact, we celebrate every Sunday, the the risen Lamb of God. So Martha may not have had such, such a strong faith as she thought. And when we face trials of our own, we may find that we don't have as much faith as we thought we had. But let those times be reminders to you to seek to grow in your faith, to seek to strengthen your faith with the truth of God's word, with who God is. Again, the Lord knows just what we need. And Jesus delayed in going to Mary and delayed in going to Martha. And and that was for their good so that their faith would be strengthened. And Jesus even said he was glad for the disciples' sake that he did not go to Lazarus earlier. Because he wanted them to believe. He wanted them to keep believing and to be growing in their faith. And to begin to know more about who God is and, and how God operates. He wanted their faith to grow, and he wanted their faith to be strong. And God wants the same thing for you and me. God wants our faith to continue to grow. So, when it comes to praying for the salvation of your family and friends, while God isn't in the practice of raising people from the dead before our eyes, as Jesus did with Lazarus that day. He is still in the work of raising sinners to new life in Christ. That is the work that he is about today. Raising sinners to new life in Christ. And for that, we ought to praise God that he is doing that work and that he chooses to use his people to be witnesses, to be mouthpieces for the gospel, to be preachers of the truth proclaimers of the gospel. 
So I want to encourage you this evening to strengthen your faith and to seek to have your faith strengthened as you wait, and you will find yourself waiting at times, as you wait on the Lord's perfect timing. Maybe you face certain temptations that you struggle with and you ask God to help you with them and yet you, you fall and you sin at times, sin against the Lord with those temptations and, and then there are times of victory and, you, and you're struggling over a temptation that you wish you could be done with this side of heaven. Wouldn't that be something to be done with all of our temptations to sin this side of heaven? Maybe there's a certain struggle you're struggling with, a certain decision that you need to make, or maybe a a relationship that's difficult and challenging. When it comes to praying and asking for God's help with those situations, ask God to grow your faith and strengthen your faith that you'll trust Him even when you don't see what He's doing. That you'll trust that He is at work. That you'll know that He is working even if you don't get to see it. We may find after much praying we're tempted to lose hope, lose faith, and fail to trust that God hears and that He cares. But if we'll seek to grow our faith, grow our knowledge of God's Word about who God is and how God works, the nature of God, the attributes of God, and we begin to know Him more and settle our hearts around the fact that God is sovereign and that He is in control, and that we can trust Him in all things, as we wait to get those answers that we're waiting for and wondering if he'll answer them, we can find our faith strengthened and growing. And even as we cry out to the Lord in prayer, a prayer of faith and humility, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I think it's encouraging to hear Martha say, I know. <laughs> There's why I think we see a measure, a good measure of faith in her. I know. What'd she say? I know. I know. What did she know? What she knew was that whatever Jesus asked of the Father, he would receive. And that, too, must be your great confidence. I want you to turn with me for a moment to Hebrews chapter 7. Because we ought to be able to say with Martha, I know, I know that whatever you ask the Father, you will have, you will receive. Hebrews 7 and verse 25. I wonder, are you trusting in Jesus for the saving of your soul? Many of you, most of you, I hope all of you would say, yes, I'm trusting Jesus for the saving of my soul, that my soul is secure in Christ because I've trusted in Him and Him alone. For the forgiveness of sins. Are you believing in Jesus' power to give new life? We say, well, yeah, that's connected to that. I know he's going to give me new life. I'll be resurrected one day and with him in glory. And when I die, I'll be in heaven. I'll be with the Lord. Then you need this promise of the Bible to encourage and assure you that even now, as Martha said, even now, Jesus is interceding for you to the Father. Think of that. And that's a promise I want to focus on tonight. Even now, Jesus is interceding for those whom the Father has given to him. 
It's a truth plainly stated in your Bible. Look at Hebrews 7 and verse 25. Consequently, it says, He is able to save to the uttermost. What does that mean? Uttermost. Any ideas? What is it to be saved to the uttermost? How about about completely? How about totally? How about permanently? Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost who? Those who draw near to God through him, through Christ. Since he always, next Sunday we celebrate the resurrection, since he always lives. Since he always lives, why does he live? Look at it. To make intercession for them, believers. Those people who have put their trust, is that you? Those people who have put their trust in Christ. Here's a wonderful truth for you. Think about this. Even though Jesus' redemptive work on the cross is finished. Remember John 19.30 when he cries out, it is finished. And he gives up his spirit. Even though Jesus' redemptive work for sinners is finished, was finished at the cross, he continues to care for his redeemed children without any end in sight. Since he always lives to make intercession for them, his work was not finished at the cross. One part of his work was finished. He had given his life as a ransom for many. He had taken the wrath of God on himself, the wrath that we deserved. And then he began a new work. He rose from the dead on the third day. And then, sometime after that, he ascended to heaven to be at the Father's side. And as Hebrews 7 and verse 25 says, Consequently, he is able to save to the othermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. And here's an outcome of Jesus' intercession for you with which God intends to strengthen your faith. And again, we're talking about having our, our faith strengthened so that we will not doubt, even if we don't get to see what God is doing. It's that as Hebrews 7.25 says, Jesus lives to make intercession for you. If you are in Christ, Jesus lives to make intercession for you. Jesus lives. Jesus conquered the grave. Jesus defeated death. And he's living now. And in his intercession for you, he is keeping you. You are secure. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost, completely, permanently, for all time. 
So he's making intercession for you, and part of that intercessory work is that, that fact that he is keeping you because he lives, and through faith in Christ, your gift from him is your security in Christ. Romans 5.10 points to that truth, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. He lives. And because he lives, we are kept by Christ We are secure in Christ, and we have new life in Christ. Jesus lives now, and we are secure in him and kept by him for all eternity, for eternal life. Now, we often tend to think about that more than the blessings that we have even now. But that is a wonderful truth, isn't it? That we are kept for eternity, for eternal life. And I often think about, when I mention the temptations that we deal with, I think about the things that, that each of us struggle with, and wouldn't it be wonderful to be done with those? Well, there will be a day when we are done with those. And what is Jesus doing as he lives? Did Jesus ascend so that he could take it easy? Is there a heavenly lounge? No, not at all. Jesus is interceding on behalf of those who put their trust in him. He's he's interceding on behalf of his co-heirs. Because if you're in Christ, you're a co-heir with Christ. And think of all that's Christ as God. Remember when he walked the earth, he was God in human flesh. God incarnate. God the Son. Think of all that's his as God the Son. And we are co-heirs. And he is interceding on behalf of his co-heirs. So where is Jesus working now? Listen to Romans 8 and verse 34. Where is Jesus working now? Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? Indeed. (laughs) This is a certainty. He is interceding for his own, for his co-heirs. So Jesus is now at the right hand of the Father, and he indeed is interceding for us. If you want to go back to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4, go with me to Hebrews 4 for a moment. I want you to listen to this and look at it. Where is Jesus working? Where is he doing his work? Why can we put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? How can we be confident that he is working even now? Hebrews 4 and verse 14. 
Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. We could also say here, let us hold fast to our faith in Jesus Christ. It's our confession in Christ. Hold fast. We seek to be strengthened in your faith. Verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And verse 16, let us then with confidence. We have every reason for confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have every reason to seek to grow our faith and trust in him. Even now, even for the moment that we're in. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help. When? In time of need. You ever feel like there's a time when you don't have any needs? (laughs) I feel like I'm always in need. Maybe when we think we don't have any needs is when we have the most needs. But we can have confidence as we continue to put our faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross in the fact that he is interceding for us. We can have confidence that he is at work on our behalf. And he does so in his high priestly role at the Father's right hand. And when we trust the Lord and humble ourselves before Him in prayers of faith, we can be confident. You heard it there in Hebrews 4. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace. One of the ways you do that is through prayer. One of the ways you do that is through strengthening uh, strengthening your faith, seeking to have your faith strengthened with the word, by God's promises. Seeking to trust him more. And when we trust the Lord, humble ourselves before him in prayers of faith, we can be assured. I love this phrase at the end of verse 16, Hebrews 4 that we will receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus is interceding on your behalf at the Father's right hand so that in your time of need, when you turn to Christ and your confidence is in Him, your faith is strengthened, you will have the help that you need. Because he is gracious and generous. Often the help that we need is found from what we know from God's word. The help we need is what we need the Holy Spirit to nudge us with, pointing us, bumping us back to the truths that we've already heard before that we need to remind ourselves of again. That we might receive 
mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Praise God for the work that the Lord Jesus Christ does on our behalf. Jesus is also our advocate in heaven. He's our advocate. An advocate provides assistance to to you or represents you or presents your case to a judge. An advocate intervenes for you on your behalf when you need help. And according to the Bible, Jesus is the advocate for those who have placed their faith in him, says 1 John 2, 1. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, and we still sin. So here's some good news. We have an advocate with the Father, with the Father, who? Jesus Christ, the righteous. That's why he can be our advocate, the righteous. So Jesus, the completely righteous Son of God, represents us before the Father, represents his co-heirs, And now, with the imputed righteousness of Christ credited to our account before God, with the righteousness of Christ applied to the accounts of all who believe in him, God the Father sees us in the light of Jesus' righteousness. Even though, will you admit it, that you still sin? My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. God doesn't want us to go on and on and on, sinning and sinning and sinning. He wants us to help us stop it. (laughs) But if anyone does sin, and we do, and we're still struggling with sin, the side of heaven. Maybe the easiest way for us to sin is in our thoughts. The good news is we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. When Satan accuses us before God, God looks at the Son for his righteousness, which has been applied to our account if our faith is in Christ. God the Father sees us in the light of Jesus' righteousness. How incredible and how wonderful. No longer can the law condemn you if your faith is in Christ. Jesus is your advocate if your faith is in him. And Jesus is now working, always keeping his own, always interceding for his own, always before the Father on your behalf. So let those truths strengthen your faith. And remember to go back to the Bible often. Go to the Word daily. I encourage you to read your Bible. Again, I encourage you to read your Bible. Read the truths. Encourage your hearts. Train your thinking. Train your mind and your heart to look to the blessings of the Lord so that your faith will be strengthened in Him, to learn how God operates, to learn the attributes of God, to learn who God is and how He thinks and what He desires for you. And what he has done for you through Christ. 
And let these truths strengthen your faith as you come to them. Don't lose hope when it seems like you've had to wait a long time for God to answer your prayers. You may not realize it, but God is, it's, it's very possible that God is at work answering your prayers even though you don't see it. In ways that you can't even fathom. And maybe through people or means in which you would never have dreamed. Seek to strengthen your faith. Seek to have your faith grown and strengthened by a knowledge of God from his word. Keep praying for those unbelievers in your life. Keep submitting yourself to God over those things, those trials, those temptations that you're struggling with. Keep trusting the Lord to help you as you face difficulties that you fight. And the uh, I would say take great encouragement in God's word. And, and uh, one passage I think that is very helpful and encouraging is this. There are many truths like this. It's another psalm. Psalm 121, verses 3 and 4. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Is the Lord Jesus Christ working? Yes, he is. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. That's our Savior. 